Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today, this is a podcast Isaiah, Yeshayahu 45a. We're studying Parak Memhe, the first part. Um, just briefly, uh, let me summarize what we had just said in Parak 44 in the last podcast. Um, there were really four main points. The first one, God reassuring the Jewish people that not to be afraid that the promises that he made to the Jewish people he will keep and he can keep because he is God and only he can keep promises and and fulfill them. Number two, the gods that were created by human arrogance, the idols and ideologies, etc., cannot promise anything because they are not God and they are just human creations. Number three, God reminds us that in the, that he will forgive our sins and he will redeem us in the future for his own honor, not because we deserve it. And then at the end, he says, he promises that that um, there will be a redemption and that there will be a um, a redeemer. In this case, he calls him Roi, my shepherd. I also mentioned at the end a little bit a discussion which I want to revisit now a little bit more. And that was the mention of the name of Koresh, Cyrus. The last verse of the previous chapter 44, which is verse 28, God says, He who says, in other words, he God who says to Koresh, Cyrus, my shepherd. He calls him my shepherd. And he will fulfill all of my desires. Um, the, um, and I mentioned then, how um, uh, this seems to indicate that this portion of Yeshayahu must have been written much later. And I mentioned several approaches. Uh, one is the approach of uh, most biblical or many biblical critics that assume that the second half of Yeshayahu was written in a much later date, uh, several hundred years later in the early second temple period, and that all of this is referring to the rebuilding the time, the period surrounding the rebuilding of the second temple, which was then allowed and encouraged, at least for in the beginning, by Cyrus, the king of Persia, who was at the time the most powerful leader in the world, <clears throat> and and that um, and and that the Jews looked upon Koresh as some something of a redeemer, even though he wasn't necessarily a righteous person per se, but but he did bring about. Redemption, bringing the people back to the land. Um, and I also mentioned the possibility that uh, others say that, no, this is just a prophecy. And I mentioned the story of Josephus, which, where in the, which is mentioned in Josephus, which was probably a long-standing Jewish tradition at the time, that Cyrus was shown this prophecy of Isaiah, in which it was prophesied that he, Cyrus, was going to come one day and redeem the people. And therefore Cyrus decided to to fulfill that. Um, so looking at this as a prophecy, who is telling the future? And then the third approach was that um, that we know that the book of Yeshayahu was written by not Yeshayahu himself, with possibly a few exceptions where Yeshayahu refers to himself. But other than that, it's, it's obvious that the book was written by his students, by the people that had heard his speeches, and so on. And that it's possible that later on the, the, this reference to Cyrus crept in, that someone added it. I want to go back to that last suggestion. And the reason why 
I, that suggestion is important, in, in my opinion at least, is because, um, because you know, as I've emphasized over and over and over again since we started the 40th chapter, which is the, supposedly the beginning of the second half, how many parallels there are with the earlier halves. In other words, it seems that the authorship of the book was one. In other words, that it, the group of students or student or whoever it was that sat down or over the time period where they sat down and wrote this book, that it was all done together at the same time and that that would have been done sometime not long after the death of Ishayahu or near the end of his days, probably during the reign of the king Menashe, and which is a much more a traditional understanding of the time written. If that's the case, then um, you'd have to understand this reference to Cyrus either as a prophecy of the future or as something that popped in later. But if we, I personally believe that it's very possible, and, 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 and I have no way of ever proving this, but as I read through the chapter, it just flows so well, and it seems like such a logical explanation, that the psukim, the words, were as recorded, the person writing it was recording his memory and his of, of the speech that Yeshayahu himself had given. The word Koresh, that uh, his name, could very well have simply only that word been slipped in um, later on, possibly, and this is really going out on a limb, in order to influence Koresh, or in honor of Koresh. We find this throughout our Jewish literature and literature in general, where, where there's little modifications thrown into books, or little paragraphs about how great the king is in order to flatter the king and make him... So it's extremely possible and extremely plausible that this mentioned to Koresh that these psukim were simply supposed to have read and let's the one for yesterday, Ha'omer le Koresh Roi, the one who said, he who said to Koresh, and Koresh is synonymous with Mashiach, with Ha'omer le Mashicho, God who says to he who is anointed by him, Roi, you are my shepherd. Now, in that last pasuk, it can fit. In the next one, which we're about to read, 45, the word koresh linguistically almost sounds like it was stuffed in. And you'll see what I mean in a moment. And I'm going to read the entire chapter 45 with this assumption that the word koresh was thrown in there at a later date. Um, I know this is a, a theory which uh, can be controversial. I know that some people will will kind of roll their eyes at my assumption, but I'm going to make this assumption anyway. And um, and I really do believe that it's strongly possible that someone in the early Second Temple period, either in honor of Koresh after he made that decision, because then the people were looking at Koresh as if he was the, the anointed one that brought about this redemption. So it could be that somebody threw in, that people were then reading which we're about to read, so says God to his Mashiach, to his anointed one, Lekoresh, to Koresh, Asher know that I have strengthened his right hand and given him the strength to accomplish this. And people say, who is that Mashiach? Oh, it must have been Koresh. Somebody threw it in. Or it could have been put in there as part of some sort of campaign to influence Koresh by saying, and someone threw in Koresh. And then if we go with the story of Josephus, and then when Koresh got wind of this prophecy that was written supposedly years before, saying, oh, it was, God was predicting that there would be a Messiah, and that Messiah might have been me. 
and that might have influenced his decision making as per the story that Josephus accounts, assuming that there's historical truth to that story. So if we read this, this next verse, uh, which we're about to start, and I started already, we're about chapter 45, verse 1, and I'm going to read it as follows. Um, uh, and let's begin. So says God to his anointed one. That I have strengthened and stood by his right hand, given Mashiach, my anointed one, the strength, to do what? To lower in front of him nations. It doesn't say destroy them, as we've seen during the first half of Shem many times, that the Mashiach conquers the world not with, with, with might and arms, but with the strength of of his justice, the strength of his righteousness, the strength of his truth is so powerful that people, that the nations simply collapse before him, the evil nations. And I ungird the loins of the kings, which is a, a way of saying, I take off their armor, I take away their armaments. Like saying, I'm not fighting them coming with the mightier weapons or a stronger army and beating them that way. But I'm beating them by having them simply take off their weapons of war. That is the way of Mashiach. That the people that he encounters simply drop their weapons and follow him because, because his truth and his justice is so obvious. I will open doors in front of him. In other words, the gates of the cities will not be closed. You will not have to um, crush them. They will simply open. And they will not close the gates of the cities that he surrounds because they will want him to come. I will go before you, Mashiach, the Messiah. And I will level the hills. I will straighten the paths that come up in front of you. I will not make obstacles in your way. The walls of copper, the strong metal wall, the doors, I'm sorry, of copper, the strong metal doors that do close in front of you, those I will break. And the iron bars that hold people imprisoned and unjustly and so on, those iron bars, I will shatter them to let people free. And here I'm, I'm, I'm thinking in the ultimate redemption, is going to be a redemption of knowledge. Isaiah said earlier on, the world will be filled, uh, will be filled with knowledge of God. The ultimate redemption is a redemption not of war, not of battle, not of victory, but of knowledge. Knowledge and knowledge of God. Knowledge and understanding. So what's going to happen? I am going to give to you Otsros Choshech, treasures of darkness, umatunei mistorim. And I'm going to tell you about those things that are hidden deep, deep down in the secret places. Many of the commentaries assume that this means I'm going to give you treasures of gold and massive treasures and you're going to win all kinds of booty and loot because those are the things that are hidden and buried. I think that's completely off. I think they totally missed the point here. Otsros Choshech, what is it if we simply look several verses later? What are the Otsros Choshech? God tells us in very few minutes the answer to these questions. These are the questions, the questions that are so deep, the questions that are so dark, 
the treasures that I'm going to give you is I'm going to bring light to that darkness. As it says in verse 7 in the same chapter when God talks about what he's going to do, Yotzer, or I am the creator of light, and I am also the creator of darkness, which you didn't understand until now. Shalom, I create peace, and I also create evil. God says, they all come from me. These are the deep, deep questions of good versus evil. And, and the understanding of why there is darkness and suffering. And in case you don't think that what I'm saying makes uh, it fits the words, Matmunei Mistorim, again within this very chapter, Matmunei Mistorim. Let's look at verse 15 in this very chapter where God talks about what is going to be in the future. When Mashiach realizes it, he points and says, You, God, is the El, are the God, Mistater, the one who hides, Stater, Mistorim, the same word, Matmunim, Mistorim. I'm going to give you those, those treasures. I'm going to give you that knowledge. Why? And in case you still don't believe my, my interpretation, da, in order that you shall know, because it is Das, it is knowledge that I'm giving you. That it is I, God, I am the one that called you the Messiah. I am the one that's bringing this peace to the world. Why? He continues. Leman Avdi Yaakov. I'm doing this because of my servant Jacob, Yisrael Bechiri, and Israel, my chosen one, the ones who are chosen to bring this message to the world. I am the one that I'm, I'm calling you this name. Right? Right? I am the one who gives you this 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 name, Veloyidatani, despite the fact that you have not known me, you have not understood me until now, because my ways are so mysterious. I am doing this because it is me, says God. Because I am revealing these secrets. This is partly the answer to the question. It is I am a God and there is no other. There is no evil power. There is no play, you know, evil thing that causes suffering that's like somehow against me. There's nothing besides me. It all comes from me. Zulasi ain Elohim. There is no God besides me. Azercha, I am the one who is giving you strength. Even though you don't know and don't understand me. Why? do in order that you should know. Again, knowledge. That from the all the way in the east where the sun rises to all the way in the west where the sun sets, the entire world, there is nothing besides me. There are no other powers. There are no magical demons. There is no nothing. There is just me, God. I am God and there is nothing else besides me. I am Yotzer Or. I am the creator of light. And I am also the creator of darkness. Shalom. I am the one that makes peace and brings peace. And I am also the one who has created evil. I am God. I am the one that makes all of this. Clearly those treasures have absolutely nothing to do with looty and booty and wars. and The, this, the entire thing here is talking about, about I, I, don't, I don't crush the enemy. I take his, he takes off his own weapons of war and puts them on the ground when confronted by the, by the Mashiach. This is what the future of Mashiach is, and this is the message, and this is what it meant when it said, um, that I'm going to give you the secrets of darkness. We're going to continue this as we go. 
through um um uh, the, uh more of this chapter but I want to point your attention to something that we saw earlier in Yeshayahu, something which some of the listeners that may be more familiar with Isaiah might have questioned my interpretation back then as well. But if we look back to chapter 21, verses 11 and 12, Isaiah Yeshayahu was at the time addressing the people of Edom, the people of Masod Duma, the people of Edom. And they had a question. This was one of the most, two of the most cryptic and difficult to understand and puzzling pieces, verses in Isaiah. And I believe that the solution to the puzzle is, is exactly what I said when we taught chapter 21, but also you'll see it again today. And when you compare it to what we're reading today, it's glaring. To me, they call out from the land of Seir. And they ask a question. The people of Edom ask, Shomer Mami Laila. Shomer Mamileo. Who is the guardian of the night? Why? And if you remember the, then when we discussed it, if there is this guardian God that you're telling us about, then why is this guardian, why did he create night? Why did he create darkness? Why did he create suffering? You can't explain that to us. How could you believe in one God? Then why is there suffering? And then the answer was, Omer Shomer, then the guardian answers, Asovoker, morning will come, Vigam Loyla, but also darkness and night comes from God. If you would like to ask the question, it's okay to ask the question. Shuvu Esoyu, but you should still come to God. It's okay to ask the question, but however, Asovoker, Vigam Loyla, there is morning and there is night. If you remember, that's how we translated it then. And this is the answer. This is the answer to the question that Edom was asking. And we're saying it now. Now in the time of Mashiach is when they find out that answer. They should still come under the, under the wings of God because they need to know that it's, God is the Ose Shalom Uvoreira. He also is the one who created evil. And then we continue in verse 8. Let the heavens pour down from above. And what should the, the, the heights and the skies pour? They should pour righteousness. This is the future. May the land open up its mouth and not swallow us up like what happened in, in the Torah with Korach. But rather, and may they give birth to the fruits of redemption. And, and together with that, righteousness will sprout and grow forth from the world. I am God, the creator of this world. This is what I want from this world. Woe is to the one who asked those questions and therefore rejected me. The one who was Raves Yotzro, I'm reading verse 9. The one who argued with his creator and said, The one who said um, to the the um, um, to the maker uh, of the world, uh, the one like for example, as if the one who said to a potter, "You're just creating, you're creating pots." 
Hayomer Chomer Liotro, does a potter say to its creator, Matase, why are you making me this way? Why are you making me as a pot without handles? In other words, do pots complain and say, you only made me a bowl, why didn't you give me handles? God is saying to people, to humanity, to all of the world, are you supposed to come to God and say, why did you put me on this earth but not make me rich? Why did you put me on this earth and not make me beautiful? Why did you put me on this earth and not make me healthy? Why did you put me on this earth and not give me the things that I feel that I need? Is that Does a bowl say that? Does a clay bowl say that to the potter and say, I want handles? No. The bowl is a bowl. The bowl has to appreciate being a bowl because now the bowl is a bowl. Hoy continues in 10, Omer of Matolid. Should a person go to his father and say, Why did you give birth to me? Why did you reach and go to his mother and say, Why did you go through labor pains to birth me? I don't need to be here. What do I need to be here for? No, we appreciate the existence that we have, whatever that existence is. We don't go to the Creator and say, Why didn't you give me handles and complain? Do we understand why we don't have handles? No, that was for the Creator of the bowl. He decided to make a bowl. And the Holy One of Israel and the one who created him says, Are you going to ask me for signs? You're going to ask me to explain things? Is this what you're going to do, Albonai, about my children, Titzavuni, and you're going to command me about how I should create things? God says, No, Anochi It is I that created the land, I created mankind upon it. Ani yodai, it is me in my hands, God says, Natu Shemayim. I was the one that spread the heavens out. I was the one that commanded the stars to go into their places. And I also, God says, I am the one that is going to bring about this awakening of righteousness in the time of, of, of Mashiach. Like we said before, if you remember, um, in chapter 41, verse 2, uh, Who is the one who brings out the awakening from the East, the awakening of the Mashiach? It is I, and I will make sure that all of His ways, the righteous, just one in the future, the Redeemer, all of His ways I am going to make straight. He will rebuild my city. And He will take all of my exiles and send them back to their proper places. Not by buying them off. Not by bribing the people and saying, I'll, you know, going to those nations, arrogant nations, and paying them off or buying them off in order to redeem the people suffering. But no, I will, they will come back simply because of righteousness. So says God. Thank you so much for listening to 45A. Looking forward to studying 45B together.